Please be seated. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation today, the epistle reading we heard a moment ago, 2 Peter 1, especially these words. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how can I be sure? How can I be sure? There's a German word, a really great German word, that talks about being sure. Certainty. Gewiss. People are always striving for certainty. They want to be sure. They want to know for sure. Whatever the topic is, they want to know. It was in 1967. The uh, Young Rascals had a top five hit. How can I be sure? In a world that's constantly changing, how can I be sure? Almost haunting words, but words that are relevant for us each and every day. We want to be sure. We want to be sure about the weather. So sure that we'll look at the weather multiple times a day. We'll even pay at least a little bit attention to what a groundhog on the other end of the country says. Why? So we can be sure. Much of the state was riveted last Wednesday, not only on Groundhog's Day, but they were riveted as the letters of intent came pouring in from across the nation for their favorite sports team. Why? They want to be sure. They want to be sure that the, the person who had committed actually signed on the dotted line. They want to be sure that their team, whatever it is or wherever it is, will be better next year than the last. And as that Rascals song from the 60s, we want to be sure about our relationships. We want to be sure about our love. We want to be sure about how, how we feel about others and how others feel about us. We want that gavis. We want that certainty. We want to be sure on a number of levels. And so here we are. In God's house on the transfiguration of our Lord. And God's Word teaches us how to be sure. No, not, not about the weather or, or politics or your lover's intent. How to be sure about things eternal. 
how to be sure about who you really are. How to be sure about who God really is. How to be sure about heaven and how to get there. How to be sure about how to live our lives as God's redeemed children. Let's face it. What do we normally put our certainty in? What we see, what we hear, what we feel and touch. We put our certainty into our reason. We put our certainty into our emotions. And sometimes those things lead us on the right path. And sometimes they lead us astray. So, we've learned in the school of hard knocks, we've learned in the school of experience, you never can really be sure about anything. We've become professional skeptics, or on the religious scene, agnostics. I don't know that I've ever really met an atheist, somebody who says there is no God, but I've met lots of agnostics. And an agnostic basically says, you can never really be sure, can you? My friends, today, God's Word teaches us about certainty and it takes us to the Mount of Transfiguration. Second Peter 1 begins this way. For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what people think, many people turn on the History Channel, about Christianity. It's a myth. It's a theory. It needs to be debunked. Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, don't fall for that. Don't fall for that silliness. We're not following some, some cleverly devised story or fable or myth. We were eyewitnesses. We were there. We were there, as the kids sang. On the mountain peak. We saw it. We saw it with our own eyes. Peter goes on. For when he, Jesus, received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being an eyewitness to the glory that Jesus revealed on that day on the Mount of Transfiguration? Oh, Moses reflected the glory of God with a bad sunburn like 
Tom the tomato or whatever the tomato is. A whole different thing is going on here. Light radiated from Jesus, from inside of Him, through Him, His clothes, His hair, everything about Him. A glimpse of God's glory was given to Peter and James and John. And just like that, Moses and Elijah are there bearing witness bearing witness to the one that they had proclaimed to the one that they had pointed to everything in the Old Testament pointing forward to the person and work of Jesus everything in the New Testament revealing to us the person and work of Jesus my friends to be an eyewitness to have experienced that would certainly be a mountaintop experience. Now, you would think that Peter would say, I am sure that Jesus is who he claims to be because I was on the mountain, because I saw it with my own eyes. I experienced it. But he doesn't. He doesn't appeal to the eyewitness account as important as it is. Verse 19 of our text. And we have something more sure. Can you imagine that? Something more sure than a mountaintop experience? Something more sure than an eyewitness account? Something more sure than the feelings and the shivers going up and down your spine as you saw Jesus for who He is and will be for all eternity? What can this possibly be? What can be more sure than this spine-tingling eyewitness encounter? We have something more sure. The prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Peter cares about your heart and he cares about what's in your heart, what forms your heart, what shapes your heart. Too often, our spine-tingling, mountaintop eyewitness events deceive our heart. But we have something more sure. We have the prophetic word. We have the Bible. This is what Peter is talking about. He's talking about the Word of God. He's talking about the Holy Scriptures. He's talking about the Bible. Oh. That. My friends. Biblical ignorance abounds. You know it. We all know it. Bi biblical ignorance 
has grown and grown and grown in my lifetime. There was a time, not all that long ago, before I was in school, but there was a time when every public school in our land taught the basics of the Bible, at least as literature. People knew and were familiar with the stories there. Not anymore. Strictly forbidden. So, what do we as the people of God, people who claim to be Bible-believing Christians, what do we do? We put the Bible on the shelf. We dust it off every once in a while. We rely on others through Sunday school or confirmation class to teach the bare minimum, the absolute bare basics to get through and to get past. And the prophetic word remains something that is all too often an afterthought. Can you imagine how different our world would be if people would binge on the Word of God like they binge on Netflix and video games? Can you imagine if people would read the Bible 20 or 30 minutes for every episode of Yellowstone that they watch? Can you imagine if people would open up their Bibles with the same regularity that they watch a sporting event? Can you imagine booking an appointment like a tea time to spend three hours not on the golf course, but in the Word of God? Can you imagine how different our world would be how different our families would be, how different our congregations would be if we actually put our money where our mouth is and spent time reading the Bible. Now I know that there are some of you that are faithful with your devotions. You're faithful with a Bible reading schedule and praise be to God for that. But all too often, it doesn't happen. All too often, the words that the Bible teaches us about how parents, especially fathers, should bring up their children in the Word of God, is just not happening. My friends, we have this Word that makes us more sure. More sure than a 13-second comeback by your vaunted chiefs. More sure by all the Super Bowl highlights in the world. More sure than that master angler catch or that hole-in-one. More sure because it lasts for all eternity. My friends, 
The Bible is many things. But it is not primarily a history book. It is not primarily a book to teach or talk about some political system or moral code. My friends, the Bible was given to teach us about Jesus. At the end of the Gospel of John, John says, Jesus did many other things that are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may know for sure. That you may know that Jesus is the Christ. And that by believing in Him, you have life in His name. That's why we read the Bible. Because it's about Jesus. That's why we read God's revealed Word. It tells us who we are. Poor, miserable sinners. Who cannot save ourselves. That's why we read the Bible. Because it tells us the great rescue from our sin. God sending His Son into this world. This dark world. To lighten it up. To lighten it up with His perfect life, His obedient death, and His glorious resurrection from the dead. That's why we read the Bible. To know that our sins are forgiven. Not by what we pay or pray or how often we obey. But by the grace and mercy of God poured out to us in the waters of holy baptism. Poured out to us in the sweet words of the absolution. Poured out to us in the Holy Supper. Christ's very body and blood. There we know for sure that we belong to Him. There we know for sure that our sins are forgiven and our name is written in the book of life. There we know for sure that God desires for each one of us to live a life in faith toward God and in love and service toward our neighbor. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to doubt. God gives us this certainty, this surety. My friends, how often don't we misuse the Bible to validate our own feelings and experiences? We make up our mind what we want to do, and then we either look for a Bible passage or twist and turn a Bible passage just a little bit to confirm us in what we wanted to do anyway. Many times, it confirms us in our own thoughts, feelings, and experiences in direct opposition to what the Word of God clearly says. God wants me to be happy. He wants me to be happy. And so, I'll get the abortion. I'll get the divorce. I'll play the play, fly the rainbow flag. I'll lie and cheat and steal to get ahead. I'll tear down instead of build up. Why? Because it makes me feel good. Oh, how our hearts deceive us. 
My friends, we have something that is more sure than even our feelings and our experiences. Think to the last funeral that you went to. The stark reality of death. A body. A casket or an urn. A grave. What you see and what you feel is that death has won. What does God's word say? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I've never seen or witnessed somebody sit up out of the casket. Dead is dead. And yet God's Word teaches me the certainty of life over death. God over Satan. Heaven over hell. My friends, there have been times when we have sinfully ignored the Word of God. There have been times when we have cherry-picked the Word of God or even twisted and distorted it to make it say what we wanted it to say. There have been times when we have sinfully ignored the clear Word of God. For all these times, for all these sins, for all these idolatrous moments when we placed our thoughts, our feelings, our reason, and our emotion over the Word of God. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has come into our dark worlds of sin. For all of the times we have sinned, Christ Jesus has lived a perfect life for you. Jesus Christ has bled and died for you and for your sins and for your apathy. For all of these sins and more, Christ Jesus has risen victorious over sin, death, and the grave. My friends, be sure that your sins are forgiven and your hearts are transformed, not by your feelings or emotions, but by the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God. God who promises to change us from the inside out into people who not only know for sure that we are children of God and forgiven by the blood of Christ, 
but we know and desire what God's will is for our lives. My friends, did you hear the voice of the Father on the Mount of Transfiguration? The Father, speaking of Jesus, the light of the world, says, this is my beloved Son, whom I love. Listen to Him. May God grant it to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our hearts, and our certainty in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Having heard the word of God, we are bold to confess our faith